0: Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm David Hempill. And I'm Jake Bennett. And I'm Andrew Delpredi. And, and welcome to the, to the inaugural World South. Meets Dazzle Web podcast. <laughs> <laughs> web podcast. <laughs> yes, I messed up that, that so it. bad.
1: <laughs> that was it.
2: We got it in the first take. Oh, I'm shocked. <laughs> Perfect.
1: Slay bells ring. Are you listening? Sunburn sting. Icebox glistening. The beautiful sight of Barbie's alive. Strolling through a summer wonderland.
2: Well, uh, dear listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to our very first North Meets, South Meets, Dads and Dev Christmas Extravaganza web podcast. This was an idea that was born out of a... Was it a late night or an early morning conversation, Andrew? I can't remember. Oh,
0: man. It hasn't been that long. So I think it was, phew, it probably was like in the afternoon sometime. Just okay, like maybe right in the between.
2: <laughs> Yeah. In any case, we said, we were on Slack and we said, yeah, you know what? We should do like an end of the year podcast together since we're like sister podcasts anyway. I don't know how many references we've made to the Dads and Dev podcast on ours, but quite a few. So we are super stoked to have the hosts of that show on our combined show. So for those of you who are not familiar with Andrew and David, would you guys mind really quickly in like two sentences introducing yourselves and then we will do the same.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm Andrew DelPretti. I am from Alaska. I am a web developer and I like eggnog. Nice.
2: Who doesn't like mm-hmm. a good cup of eggnog? A little bit of rum in I there. I you like Michael does because Michael doesn't like anything holiday. Okay, <laughs> he's the Grinch. David, he is. He is yeah. the Grinch from. I to be fair, I'm the only one that wore antlers to this thing. This is true. Yep, this is true. So You have points. He's got a little. He's got a little bit of Christmas spirit. Um, David. <laughs> uh, let's hear what. Let's hear from you.
3: My name is David Himpill. I'm a web developer currently living in Springfield, Missouri.
2: Recent transplant from Texas. Right? You're yep. originally from Missouri, moved to Texas, were are down there for three years, two, three years?
3: Uh yeah. Something like About that. Three over three years. And three then years. I was in New Mexico before that.
2: Okay. So David's been around, but he has returned back to his homeland in Missouri. And uh how are things going there, man?
3: They're good. They're real good. It's a lot colder here though.
2: Yeah. Dude, it's been frigid these last couple days. It was I think today was the coldest day we've had yet. Andrew, what's it like up in Alaska up there, temperature wise?
0: Right now, it is 10 degrees Fahrenheit, and it has been wow. single digits for about a week now, but I live really close to the water, so that's not, uh, it's not as cold as it would be like interior Alaska, where it's like negative 40. We we typically see uh, oh, gosh. Uh, single digits in like the teens for, for the winter, so it's
2: not too bad. Okay, so pretty like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's mild really compared to like what I would think it would be. Oh
0: yeah, for sure. My spit does not freeze when I, when I spit, so.
2: <laughs> oh, negative 40 in the inland of Alaska. No, thank you. Yep. I would rather not. Exactly. Um, Michael, since, since this is going to be cross-published on both of our channels, why don't you introduce yourself real quick, Michael, and tell everybody who you are.
4: Yeah, I am Michael Durinda. Uh, I am from Australia. If you have not guessed from my accent, definitely not England. <laughs> <laughs> or South Africa. Or South Africa.
2: South Africa, not Africa.
4: Africa. South Africa. And uh while we're on the topic, it is twenty six degrees Celsius here, which in your made up <laughs> metric is seventy eight <laughs> seventy nine Fahrenheit. Nice.
2: So what's like, what's wonderful. the season there?
4: Is the season summer there? Like is it literally the opposite? It is summer. Okay. Yeah, we are we are the opposite. Okay.
3: That I always just... blew my mind that they're having Christmas in summer.
4: Yeah. yeah
2: that's, that's the best. Th- I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Well, I would I would change it here if I could, but um, I don't know. I like, say that. I, I like the snow every once in a while. They
0: can't sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used exactly. to know, because they never used to know any of that. All I know That's is right. a yeah.
4: heat. No. <laughs> Chestnuts
3: roasting on an open fire. Ronan Keating has got board. our back,
4: though. We've got, uh, we've got Summer Wonderland now, so we're moving up in the world. <laughs> well, I mean, that was for New Zealand, but it's close enough. Yeah,
2: New Zealand, Australia, practically the same thing, right? Do you guys have different yeah. accents? The flags are almost the same.
4: The same. No, the Kiwi accent's a bit different.
2: Kiwi accent. All right. And I am going to last introduce myself. Hello, world. My name is Jacob Bennett. I am uh, one of the co hosts of the North Mead South Web podcast, web developer professionally, I suppose, which just means I've been paid to do it for about the last three or four years. I uh, work primarily in PHP, Laravel Fanboy, and Vue. We'll talk about that a little bit today as well. And I am often consulted by Mr. Andrew Delpretti in my JavaScript endeavors. <laughs> so, uh, and then I ping David Hemphill all day for suggestions on design and PHP stuffs. And then Michael, when he's awake, because our time zones are so insanely different. We talk about all things Laravel community related and other PHP slash podcast ideas stuff. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the connecting lines for me between this, this crazy group of people here. So, um, we wanted to start out the show, we're going to talk about some code dev stuff a little bit later, but before we get into that real serious stuff, we kind of wanted to just take some time to talk about Christmas. So let's start out with talking about what is on our Christmas list this year. Does anybody have, uh, let's start with Andrew. Andrew, what, are you, what do you got on your Christmas list this Ooh, year that man. you're hoping to get? Sorry, right out of the gate. So,
0: gosh, I, man, I'm, I'm kind of naughty because Ooh. not because I'm not getting Ooh, anything, Andrew. but I, I, opened my gifts early. So I really wanted okay. a an espresso espresso machine for a really long time. And so I go and get a latte like once a week on a Saturday with my kids at a coffee shop. And it's like five hop on the snowmobile <laughs> <drive> 30 miles, <laughs> get a hot cup of Joe. <laughs> uh, no, it's just down the street, two miles anyway. So, um, it's like five bucks or a little over every week at least. Um, and so yeah. I was like, man, I could if I bought a lot uh, an espresso machine, I could pay this thing off in like a year. Yeah, and it's like if I drink more of them, then it'll be paid off even faster. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so I, I got an espresso <laughs> machine and a uh, a new Bluetooth headset for when I'm running. And so that's already uh, accounted for and opened. And I got that. That was like more of like a Thanksgiving gift, but
2: <laughs> I. But that's like your Christmas. It gift. was my
0: Christmas gift. I got it a little early, okay. so. The, yeah, well,
2: it's nice to be people to enjoy it for the holiday, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. So, making lattes for the whole fam. So, eggnog ones. That's awesome. Making a latte. I know Michael's making little a little latte, more latte. lattes.
2: yeah, yeah a latte lattes. I know Michael's a little bit more experienced in the coffee game than I am. What kind of espresso maker is it?
0: Okay, so the one I've got is actually it's pretty. It's, it's not. It's nothing fabulous at all. I think it's just. It's called Espresso Works, and I. I don't know if it's like an Amazon brand, but. It's like all over Amazon, and we living in Alaska. We love Amazon Prime, especially because it's like one of the few places that shipped to us uh, free. And anyway, so it had a, you know good ratings. It's not like super awesome like Michaels, but it works uh, really well.
2: Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about Michaels. Yeah, Michael, what kind? Did you? Is this the same thing? Did you get one for Christmas, or was this kind of just like you spoil
4: yourself. Sort of present. Um, it, was a, it was a combination. It was what Andrew has. I'd like to refer to as like the gateway drug to the next coffee machine. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So my wife bought me like just a basic one that did the espresso, and then it had the milk steamer with milk frother for Valentine's Day because she said I was spending too much coffee. Uh, spending too much money going to get coffee every day at work. So here's a machine, make your own, and I've been using that you know every day all year and i started looking at getting this new one which has got like the it's got a burr grinder built into it nice and so yeah so now i just make that i i expect andrew to have a new coffee machine in the next 12 months
0: yeah definitely (laughs) will upgrade at some point
4: yeah so that was like a present to myself i guess I wanted to upgrade it anyway, so yeah.
2: Do you have anything on your Christmas list this year?
4: Well, it was. Um, I got the other thing that I got from my parents was uh, a new stand mixer because the one that I had was one that's been in my family for about forty years and it was starting to die. So uh, yeah, got the got the new one now, which I'm, uh which I'll be using this weekend. So that's pretty cool too. To make mince fruit pies. Uh, yeah, I got in so much trouble from my wife because she goes, "You're not explaining it." Like she joined Twitter just so that she could tweet you and correct my uh, explanation yeah, so of what the mince pie was. I understand now. And <laughs> so, I still
2: think that the only way to know for sure is to yeah. try one. So I'm waiting for a package to arrive in the mail from Michael's wife, hopefully soon with my mince fruit pie. So we'll see. Yeah.
4: Or, you know, we can buy you some now and I'll there bring it go. to Laracon. There we go. In That'll July. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it'll be it's any like good. Fruit cakes in America. Oh, they mince never pies. Expire.
2: They just last forever. Yeah, probably. We've done
4: mince pies. They're
2: awesome. And are you? Are you familiar, Andrew? You, yeah. you guys do everything. Yeah. You, you literally make everything I've ever heard of. Like, yeah. you go you go catch salmon right out of the ocean and, like, eat them immediately, like, raw over a fire. Or, I don't
0: know. <laughs> you crazy Alaskans. Yeah. We, we, we do find a lot of cool stuff.
3: Yeah, like, it's a sport <laughs> to, like, catch the fish jumping yeah. out of the water right. before they get to the bears, the bears. Dude, your Instagram the feed
2: is, like, one of those insp- – I feel like I'm looking at, like – you know i'm waiting for like an inspirational quote over the top of these images it's just insane <laughs> the stuff you guys do in alaska yeah.
0: it's a different world man it's beautiful and we have to do a lot of things ourselves because we don't have anything around so we make everything so uh, speaking about the lattes we had to make our own for the first time our own uh, vanilla syrup so i mean i'm sort sure wow. we can order it obviously but we wanted to try to do it ourselves so yeah that was awesome and so now we got two jars of it no pump yet, but I just kind of use a spoon and put a couple <laughs> couple in there, and it's awesome.
2: But yeah, gotta make do. Gotta make do. That's cool. Uh, David, how about you? What's on your What's on your list to get this year? Top of the list.
3: Top of the list. I guess the only list I really keep is my Amazon wish list, and I've got a boom microphone stand. Yeah, yeah, like a the scissor arm. Okay. And an SM7B. I so plan on upping the podcast nice. game maybe screencast game now in the is new year.
2: the sm like the brand or is it like a audio technica sm7b what is it
3: oh it's a sure
2: sure okay yeah
3: yeah it's the, the typical podcast one
2: yeah you're kind of like uh you're, you're one of those audiophile guys right like used to be i don't know if you used to be like an audio engineer but you've done recording yeah. recording thing before. used to do
3: engineering still kind of do it on the side for fun but
2: yeah yeah so you know what's going on you you, you got to figured out. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I you would be ashamed of my setup right now. Uh and we met we laugh about this on a pretty regular basis, but I have on top of a little cardboard box on a <laughs> shelf that I'm sitting in front of at home on a kitchen table in my basement, or on a kitchen chair in my basement. I have a little blue snowflake and you know, it's uh it's just it's a I should take a picture of it. It's horrible. It's pretty horrible and I'm very <laughs> uncomfortable, but I make it work.
4: It gets the job done though.
2: It does. It really does. It works totally fine and I'm too cheap to get anything else. So <laughs> What's
0: someday, on your Christmas list then? podcast sound really good. Yeah, put it on your list. Hey, thanks man.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should. I really should. I should ask my wife for that. She would get it. She's always like, what do you want? And I'm like, yeah, not I'm totally fine. I don't really need anything. So I think it's probably frustrating for her to try and buy presents for me because I literally just, you know, my I don't wife know, is I having a problem with this, my Christmas
3: shopping up. too because I'm, spending way too much She's like you have to stop stop buying (laughs) stuff
2: (laughs) yeah oh that's (laughs) funny yeah i know it's uh i don't know it's it's hard to say it like in a way that doesn't sound like shallow like you know my my wife's love language i guess is gifts if that makes sense like you know her dad always grew up like spoiling her mom like that was kind of like their thing right and so i i grew up my my parents and my my mom and stuff was like very 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 frugal and you know gifts were never a, like a thing for us like it was just never a big deal like so it's been interesting for me trying to get used to that dynamic cuz like my tendency is always like save every penny you know and never spend anything but it doesn't work super well if like your partner's love language is you know gifts tell me i tell me you love me sort of thing so yeah for been, sure <laughs> Mm. It's been an interesting learning curve for me.
3: Typically, well, in the beginning of our marriage, that's been like 10 years long for people who don't know, I've been like, was a terrible gift giver. And so, like her first Christmas gift from me in front of her family, the first time I was with them, was wrapped in an Afghan blanket, tied with a mic cable. That's how (laughs) I wrapped it. I don't even remember what it was, though. But
2: Oh, it's probably like a cat, like a feral cat you find outside the (laughs) building. It's probably a Maine Coon, you know, a little classy
3: Maine Coon cat. Yeah. But yeah, now I I really like like buying gifts and I go crazy with it. Too much money.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. Speaking of worst presents ever, that was actually one of the things I wanted to talk about today. Worst and best presents ever. Does anybody have anything that's like of note that you can remember that's like the worst present you've given or gotten Ever or best? I suppose worst would probably be Mm. more funny.
0: Oh, man. Uh, Yeah,
2: I've got got
4: one. I'm a bit of a a fan of bacon. And I mean, I don't eat it as much as people seem to think I do. But uh, probably two or three years ago, my in laws for Christmas bought me like bacon soap and (laughs) bacon toothpaste and like all of this random bacon stuff. And I'm like, um, Thanks. I guess yeah. like just a kilo of bacon would have been fine. Yeah. I could use that. Yeah, seriously. <laughs>
0: wow. That's awesome. It's
2: crazy how many bacon flavored things exist. Um, yeah, I remember I went to a IT like conference one time and like their giveaways for everything was like bacon flavored everything. Oh man.
0: Yeah, who doesn't like bacon? I don't think I want to wash with it though.
2: No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Who wants to come out of the shower smelling like bacon?
4: There's this I keep getting in my Facebook now like some bacon powder or something that you can you know quote make everything taste like or
3: just
0: bacon. buy bacon uh, no. <laughs> don't try to mess <laughs> just, with it
2: yeah just
4: buy bacon exactly
0: do you guys keep mm-hmm. your bacon grease at all to cook with uh, no no. We,
2: no i well i we have to scratch for sometimes i guess my grandma used to do that i'm gonna give
0: that to, to michael i'll send him a big jar of of bacon grease <laughs> you're welcome i don't know
2: if, i don't know if it would meet like international shipping standards like it'd probably like spill halfway across the ocean and like you know some happy fish to, uh, yeah exactly exactly
3: well I, I have a bad gift
2: you have a bad let's hear it david
3: i mean i don't know if it's funny but i'm a musician so my mom likes to get me music related gifts and god bless her she got me like some flip-flops that look like pianos like a piano like they were just the white and black keys, <laughs> <laughs> and they just sat in my closet uh-huh. for a couple of years until I had the heart to throw them out <laughs> yeah and my sister-in-law asked she's kind of the person that will give you like a really junky Christmas list full of nonsense, and she said she wanted some flip flops made <laughs> of uh sanitary napkins, and so my mom made that <laughs> Oh and it was my just, gosh. what
2: would possess you to put that on your list i don't i'm I'm at a loss for why would you why you would ever want that or is as as a joke she puts it. It's that? like that a joke like, or
3: like a false sense of like I don't want anything I don't need anything you know just buy me something silly and my mom goes yeah, for it. She went for it.
2: Got it. Do <laughs> um, you guys in Australia have white elephant gift exchanges, Michael? Do you know what that is?
4: Uh, is that like we Secret Santa? Th- we call it. Is that something different?
0: different? I think it's the um, same thing, right? Sort of, or is it is it different? Well. So, for
2: us, like, white elephant gifts are, like, they're always, like, nonsense. Like, it can't be, like, a normal gift. Like, it has to be something ridiculous. Right. And so, like, my father-in-law got a mouse for somebody. Like, so, <laughs> it's it's usually, like, it's, it's not necessarily, like, an assigned person. It's usually, like, everybody brings a white elephant gift and then you just exchange and everybody gets whatever they get kind of thing. So, you just bring something ridiculous and... Like, so my father-in-law brought a mouse for some lady, and she got totally ticked off. Last year, one of my friends made a chip bowl out of a, out of a pair of frozen underwear. That was pretty awesome. Oh, <laughs> yeah, Hopefully new ones. That was pretty cool. Yes, they were new. Okay. But, although, I think he put, like, some, you know, I think he, like, drew some, took some brown marker and, like, drew in the bottom of them or something. <laughs> <you know? laughs> mm, skid marks. Hilarious. Yeah, skid marks. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Uh let's go one more Christmas thing here and then we're gonna move on to a couple other topics here. So favorite Christmas movie? Do you have a real tree or fake tree? Do you decorate your house at Christmas time? Any of that stuff. So let's start with Christmas movie. Christmas movies, anybody? <clears throat> Traditionally Elf you watch? Elf always. Elf is a Every good time. one.
0: Yeah. Or the uh the Grinch, uh, the cartoon. Is that's kind mm. of becoming okay. a family tradition. We just watched that a little bit ago. Uh <sighs> two two days ago. And yeah, a real tree. We have a tree like a Douglas fir. It's not. That's like five foot, and nothing special really on it yet. We don't really have like special ornaments for the kids or anything, but it's it's pretty. We have, there's gifts under it, and it's got it's nice and no lights on the house. But my wife loves decorating the inside the house, so we've got winter everything. Uh, it's really nice.
4: And you, you cut that tree down from your own backyard?
0: That's what I was gonna. Ask. Uh, we did last year. <laughs> We did last year, but uh, the, it was just like a pine, and, and the needles were very uh, pokey. <laughs> and so this is this is one we actually ordered, and they brought it in. And it's like it's kind of funny here in, in where I live is, you can actually order these Christmas trees, and they'll come in on a, a barge and like a crate, and it's all these like really super soft Christmas trees, and like the whole town goes to the school and like one day, and we all pick out a tree. But so funny. a lot of people go out and cut their own. We have lots of nice Christmas tree ish trees here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine that's like that seems to be like one of the things you would do like all right kids, we're going on a 50 mile hike today, we're going to go get our Christmas tree. Yeah. Like like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or whatever where they do that. They take the kids out to like a tree farm and like they hike through the, like the you know yeah. the 4 foot deep snow drifts <laughs> to get to like the tree. Yeah. And then, yeah, that sounds—you know—in my mind, that's what I imagine happening when you guys go get your trees in Alaska. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's not quite yet, but <laughs> maybe when they get a little older, I get a snow <laughs> machine, we'll do it. But all of our friends went and yeah. picked out trees, which is awesome. So we did it kind of easy this year. So yeah, National Lampoons, huh? Is that your favorite movie, Jacob? Christmas movie, it's,
2: dude? It's pretty up there. It's pretty high up there. It's uh, it's got to be one of my favorites for sure. It's so funny. We always watch it with this one, this one set of friends. And he's like the kind of dude who's super fun to watch movies with because he's got the, one of those contagious laughs. Oh yeah! So he starts laughing, and you just can't help but die <laughs> laughing with him. And so it's one of those things that's always really fun. I look forward to it most, you know, every year. So that's awesome.
0: We haven't done that yeah. one yet as a family. I I think I need to do it.
2: Yeah, there's a couple parts I, with as a family. There's a couple parts I'm not sure that you could get through oh, no. as a family, but yeah, but uh, it's it, yeah, it's it's definitely fun.
4: Yeah. What about you, Michael? Uh, so, Christmas movie, for me, I have two. Jingle All the Way. Okay. And Die Hard. Oh, yeah. No oh, okay.
2: Di- all right, all right. <laughs> I can get there with Die Hard. Jingle All the Way? I don't even, like, does he even have a good rating? Oh, it
4: doesn't need I a good know. rating. It's got Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, and the uh,
0: other guy. Yeah. Uh, what, I don't know, whatever his name is.
4: It's uh,
2: Sinbad. Sinbad, that's it.
0: Yeah. Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Man, it has been a full- long time since I've seen that.
4: Every I don't yeah, even wait till Christmas sometimes.
2: Five stars out of ten, it's horrible. Who told you? It's could touch really my rating. cookies?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's pretty good.
0: Get in the chopper.
4: Get in the chopper.
2: That's almost <laughs> as good as my Australian accent.
0: <laughs> Get under the table. <laughs>
4: yeah. Who told you could touch my cookies? Put the cookie down.
2: It's perfect, dude. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm looking at the uh, on RottenTomatoes.com. <laughs> it's got a 17% on RottenTomatoes.com out of 10. That's pretty bad, man. Out of well, it's a 17%. <laughs> out 17 10. out of 100. 5.5 5 out of 10 on uh on IMDb. So don't worry about those that's things. That's
4: one of those that's Yeah,
2: you got to be committed, man. You're you're a super fan.
4: That's it. Um cool. what else are we doing? Uh favorite our oh, tree. We don't we don't have a don't have a real tree. We're actually putting our Christmas tree up tonight uh after after this. Oh, nice. Nice. Um and Uh, We decorate the tree, but no, like we put some lights up inside, but nothing, nothing out the front or, you know, on the outside of the house or anything like that.
2: Yeah. We, um, we usually do a real tree, did a fake tree this year. Love it. Way easier. A lot less mess. And it was a lot faster and takes up less room. So I think we're going to go fake tree for a while until the kids are a little bit older or until we get a bigger house. And we didn't do decorations outside. Although every year we regret that we didn't (laughs) when it gets too cold to do it. Yeah. So maybe next year. Maybe not. But Christmas movies, yeah, National Lampoons, Elf for sure. And then any others that we... Oh, Polar Express is a good one for the kids. That's a fun one. Yeah. Home Alone. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Home Alone. So good. Oh, yeah.
4: My wife has never seen Home Alone. I think this year has to be the year. Oh, yeah. She definitely needs to see that. Man,
0: it's funny watching Home Alone now. It's been like years since I've watched it. And now my kids love it. And I don't remember his attitude being so bad oh, yeah. but when you have kids now and it's like you're trying to treat, train them and help them ha- you know be uh kind and you know not talk back too much or or whatever respect it's like oh my gosh yeah it's rough this, dude, dude this kid this kid was ru- is so rough like how how did my parents let me i, mean, I don't even know yeah but uh still a great christmas yeah, movie it's obviously
2: awesome. it's awesome favorite part in the movie by far is when marv is it hair, Harry? Harry and Marv? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. The tarantula on, yeah. on, his, on his face and he screams. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then yeah. it flips onto the dude's chest and he's like, don't move. And he's got his crowbar. He <laughs> smashes him right in the yep. chest. That's the best part. Yep. Favorite part of the whole movie. Yep. Uh, uh, sometimes I just look it up on YouTube to watch it. It's just it's so funny. Uh, we need to link to that in the show notes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So here's a random question going back to the Christmas tree thing just yeah, for a sure second. Yeah, you got? So you, you guys are doing fake trees. Do you like spray them with any of the nice Christmas tree ah. smell? Because like that's one of my favorite parts of it. I get to like wake up in the morning and in Alaska in the winter, it's like dark, so dark all the time. And like I can get up. I usually start work around seven in the morning. It's still very dark and I can go sit next to the Christmas tree and work while my family is sleeping and just smell it and just breathe it in. Yeah. I love it. It's like my favorite time, favorite thing. Yeah.
2: I'm going to go out on the limb here, pun intended, and I'm going to say that number one, Michael definitely does not do that. Am I correct? Michael, <laughs> you, are, you are correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. then uh, I'm going to say as well, no, I don't. This is our first year doing a fake tree, so it's one of those things I didn't even think right. about until they have just little now. Christmas so, tree sticks you can um, buy now. Well, yeah. I will probably do that if we use a fake tree in the future, though, because that is definitely one of the things I miss about having a real tree: is the smell of it. It's uh, Yeah, that's like makes it very Christmassy. Could I just get one of those
4: like pine air fresheners? Yes. Is that the same?
2: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go. I suppose that would work. Yeah, man. All right. Just hang a bunch of those on your tree.
3: (laughs) It's so good.
2: Okay, here's the last thing before we get to some code stuffs Um, Super Mario Run for the iPhone. Have you guys tried it out?
0: Woo! Yeah. Yep.
2: I just bought it for ten bucks. Yeah, I I did the trial and I'm like, oh, I gotta buy it. It's ten, you know, I got to the fourth level and I was like, yep, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoy it. David, have you tried it out? Yeah. Okay. What's your experience been so far?
3: It's fun. I mean, I've almost dropped my phone like three times playing it. It's not a one hand <laughs> game, not when you have the big phone. Yeah. When you've got like a in little hands. Yeah, that's true. I've got the tiniest oh. hands. You've got small
4: Ooh. trump hands.
3: I've got little trump yes. hands.
4: <laughs> I was gonna say that's
3: it's how crazy is it that Home Alone 2 has our president in it.
4: Yeah. Does it oh it does is it, is two? it does it really? Yeah, because oh, Kevin's
3: one. lost in New York. He goes to the Plaza Hotel and he's like, Where's the lobby? you because know, it's so big and then Trump it
0: says down the hall to the left.
2: I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to go see that now.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's in there. I th- I thought it was the first one for some reason. But yeah, you're right, he wouldn't have been in New York. The first one right. because he, he missed was in Chicago. out. He wasn't able yeah, spoiler alert.
2: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. He
3: makes it. If you haven't watched Home Alone by now,
2: <laughs> I don't think there's any point in, in like hashtag spoiler alert, you know. Um, home Alone. I'm gonna, when, What year was this made even? It's like, you know, 1990. Yeah. Uh, in case you haven't watched yeah. movies in the last 26 years. Um, <laughs> how, how funny is it that that movie just would
3: not exist these days because they'd be like, mom, dad's not home. Okay, text him real quick. Where are you?
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Facetime them, yeah. mom and dad. I'm at home.
3: Oh, we'll come get you. All right.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: spoiled brat. So, so I have not bought Mario Run yet. I got the demo today. Uh, while I was picking my kids up from swimming, and I got to play the like the little intro tutorial on how to do it. And then my first son comes out of the the bathroom or the showers, and he's like, "Did you get it? Did you get it?" Because he's been asking <laughs> for it for days, and even been counting down, and then he played it, and I, I had, hadn't got to play it yet. So my kids love it. I told him I'd probably buy it. I didn't realize it was gonna, realize it was going to be $10. Right, I know. but And I started telling them, like, gosh, that's so expensive. And comparatively to other apps on the um, App Store, it is a little expensive. But I was looking at Twitter earlier before this podcast, and I think one of the developers or somebody, I think, either like related to the product or somebody else, said... Hey, remember back in the nineties when you paid fifty dollars for yeah, Super Mario? Yep. It's like, support these developers, it's a great game. Ten dollars is nothing. You're yeah. gonna love it, you know, type of thing. And it kind of put me back in my place. It's like, you know what? Mario is a staple in my childhood and my kids' childhood. It's you know, it's unforgettable, it's fun, and it's gonna bring joy. Absolutely. And, and time spent. So we're gonna we're gonna pick it up yeah. and uh the rest of those levels because it's it's a great game. Yeah,
2: I feel like it's really like fleshed out. Honestly, like there's a lot more features than I, what I thought it would release with. I mean, there's like, yes, there's the game where you run and stuff, but there's also like Toad Rally, which is like you compete against other players, and then it's like you have to build back your little village. So it's like you you know you can buy items with coins to build up your little village, and you can buy all these different houses. So it's like kind of a uh, I don't know what, what you can call those, like not real-time strategy games, but like it's, it sort of feels a little bit like that where you kind of get to build these houses and, and kind of structure your little village and stuff. They've got, you know, multiple challenges for each level. So it's really cool. I, I've spent actually a pretty decent amount of time on it just today. So like the, the levels are have a lot of replayability, because you can go through and get the purple coins or pink coins. And then once you get all the pink coins, you get the purple coins. And once you get the purple coins, you get the black coins. And then you can go back and defeat all the enemies in the level and whatever. So there's just, I mean, it's one of those games you could play for forever, I feel like.
3: Yeah, it's really well forever. done. It, it feels like one of the Wii games. It, there's nothing about it that feels like sort of like, like they forced Mario on the, on the iPhone. It feels like mm-hmm. one of the Wii games.
0: I felt the same way. Yeah, even with all the connections they have with, like, Nintendo and stuff, I was like, what? Yeah. This is crazy. Yep. Never thought I'd see the day.
2: And it's really snappy, too. Like, the, the gameplay, like, there's no lag, nothing. I mean, it's all of, the, all of the menus and stuff that pop up, it's really quick. Like, I feel like, as opposed to Pokemon Go, I suppose is what I'm trying to say, hmm. where I just felt like it was clunky. The integration with, like, the Pokemon Trainer Club and trying to sign in with those different things was always really difficult with Pokemon Go and with the Nintendo you can create a new account for nintendo and have it linked to your um mario run game in like two minutes it's pretty amazing they yeah. did a really good job totally yeah so if you haven't picked that up give it a tr- give it a try mm. pay 10 bucks it's worth it support those developers they did a really good job on that game buy it for your kids yeah for christmas it's a write-off okay yeah it's write off <laughs> somebody somebody do the line you just write it I don't off No, i'm not i yep it's a Seinfeld thing right you guys are all are you guys any of you guys Seinfeld fans
3: yeah. yep.
4: oh dude I have to come back from Laracon early well not early we were gonna do a week either side of Laracon but Jerry Seinfeld is coming to Australia for the first time in like 20 years on the 5th of August so we have to be back in time for that that's hilarious you buying tickets or something I bought tickets as soon as I went on sale nice <laughs> <laughs> bought tickets he's like I'm not buying tickets I bought I them I bought them
2: already yeah <laughs> I'm pre-order that's funny He's he's pretty amazing. I'm a Jim Gaffigan fan myself, but uh, oh yeah, Jerry Seinfeld too. is pretty awesome. I like Louis C.K. I don't yeah,
4: he's okay. He's like he's like <laughs> he's the now Seinfeld, I reckon, but he's a bit more crass. Yeah, right. Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld's
2: always been like he's crazy ridiculously clean. Like it's it's amazing how funny he is without having to be crass at all, pretty much. Yeah. Hmm.
3: I'm getting shamed for my comedian likes here.
4: Sorry, David. Not no shame. Oh, the more I, crass I, they everybody... get, the
3: more I think they're funny. So
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite comedian would have to be uh George Carlin. That's is that an Aussie guy? No. He's American he's, <laughs> he's passed away now. No no he's older guy. He... I'll I'll link yeah. some stuff up to you guys later.
2: Okay. We gotta get moving on this thing or else we're never gonna finish. Well how well what are we at right now? We're at forty five alright, well, we're we're doing fine.
4: This has gotta last people the next three weeks, don't forget.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's right. We're we're kind of taking a break. This is like end of the year here, guys. So, enjoy this a little bit extra long podcast. Hopefully, you can listen to this on your trip to or from relatives or any of those fun holiday parties you're heading to. Yeah. So, we are going to kind of hop into the code stuff section of our show today. We've got thankfully we've got Mr. Andrew Delpretty here to help us walk through some of this JavaScript stuff we're going to be talking about. Yay. Yeah, so, you know, typically for us, this is not a very, for North Mead South anyway, it's not a super JavaScript-heavy podcast. So we're going to talk about a couple of things that are maybe new to some of our listeners, but nonetheless very helpful and um, beneficial, especially if you're looking into using Vue, Vue.js, which is becoming very popular in the Laravel community. So why don't we kind of start with that, actually? I had I had private packages at the top of the list, but let's jump right into structuring your single-page app. Andrew, do you kind of want to lead that off? I mean, you're probably the most qualified to talk about this stuff, so maybe you could walk us through some of those options there and, and kind of enter that.
0: Yeah, sure, I'll do my best. Um, now, I I have not personally used Vue for anything uh, major at all. I've basically done a couple of tutorials and built like a small like, counter with Vue, so nothing major. So I'm, I've, I more so use React and previously Angular. And with Angular, built with several... Single page applications, and so I have not built one with Vue yet or with React. Uh well, I take that back. Some, I've done some smaller single page applications with React. So I, I guess, like as far as like structuring goes, man, I man, we were kind of having this conversation earlier. It's like I kind of feel like the SPA. I don't know if it's it's just me or not, but like following people on Twitter, I don't, it almost feels it doesn't have like a bad taste in my mouth, but it almost feels like people are evolving from it a little bit
2: They're stepping away from single page ops you mean
0: yeah or maybe not stepping away from it but it's not like the the bee's knees or whatever like we thought like it, like we we kind of went extreme with it i think when we first started learning about it um and everything was an spa you know the seamless transitions and you know blah 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 and and uh you know every a heavy front end and i kind of feel like people are are reigning in it a little bit and so i don't know, you know kind of where to start with with that but
2: So, I mean, I guess, you know, what we could probably say is that by structuring everything as a single page app, you really tie yourself to the tools that you have available in sort of the JavaScript world, right? So uh, for people like myself who are used to using something like Laravel, you really miss out on a lot of the server side helpers that you get the conveniences that are afforded you by using something like Laravel. So the first thing that comes to mind for sure. me is like form validation. Like that's all. That's one of those things that is like a huge pain in the butt that nobody ever wants to deal with that Laravel makes dead right. simple, stupid simple. Like it's so easy. You create a form, yeah. you put your validation rules in and if it if it is valid, it works fine. If it doesn't, it returns back with the errors, highlights the fields that are wrong, gives you the list of errors and it's just dead simple easy. And when you yeah. have something like a front-end framework, when you're doing an SPA, you are almost always going to validate those form fields on the front-end first. However, you also always have to validate them on the server side as well. So you have to figure out how do you handle that. Do you let the server handle the validation? And then do you return those errors to your JavaScript front-end? You know, Those are the sorts of things that yeah. you really miss out on if you're if you're going whole hog on the SPA side of things. So that's kind of where like yeah, yeah it's almost like this hybrid approach, right? Where people are using some of these JavaScript front-end things that can be used for SPAs, but they kind of sprinkle them on top of some server-side rendered rendered templates or components ish. So yeah. maybe we could kind of start there. So I guess you know, you've worked with single page apps before if we're looking yep. to kind of step, take one step back from that and say I'm not gonna do like a client router, because for me that's like the dividing line, is like I'm gonna do sure. a server-side router or I'm gonna do a client-side router. And if I'm gonna do a client-side router, right. everything's gonna be an endpoint on the server and that's all I'm doing. It's just giving me JSON, JSON endpoints. But if I am yep. returning a page from my server and then I am pushing JavaScript behavior on top of that, wh- wh- you know, what yeah. are our options for structuring that JavaScript with that server side rendering. You know how do we do that? And I think that's kind of what I wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah. That's those are those are really good things. And I and I think like, you know, like like I said, I'm t- kind of taking a step back from the SPA a little bit, so we kind of have something similar at Musicbed where I work with uh the, the second option that you talked about where we have Laravel and Laravel is our our router. And basically, um, we're using React and not all the pages on Musicbed yet, but we're slowly migrating towards every page on MusicBed being a a React component with smaller child components that make up the page. And then Laravel just serves that page. And so, you know, you have your traditional routes in Laravel, and those routes will provide the data and, you know, everything that it needs to render the view. And it'll render like a, a view file. And we we basically have consolidated it enough, or we're, we're trying to, to where we have like one view that's kind of like React. Really, it's just like a div tag that has a dynamic ID on it and a place for data to be uh, utilized by React. So each page that you go to in Laravel serves up is going to have like a specific ID or key for, for React to inject its JavaScript DOM. Um, and so we kind of have this like hybrid, like you're saying. And when you use something like PJAX or Links, you kind of can have this seamless user experience that you would get with a SPA. Um, but you still have all those kind of awesome benefits that you have with having Laravel. Now, I mean, I, as far as validation and stuff goes, like I said before, I come from an Angular background. And Angular's got great uh, front end uh, client side validation. And so it just depends on what your your application needs are. If you need to have like the great validation messages uh, as you, you know on change on your fields, uh, then a, like a front end type of thing will work really well. And if you need to like check and see if like a username is available on on field change, you know, it's, it's another it's a good thing to have some client side validation. If you don't care about any of that and you just want to like let them fill it out and submit and just have the, the form return some validation errors, then you're good with that too. But you, you're for you're sure you're for sure right that you need to have validation on the back end no matter what. It just depends on how much you want to build it on the front end to appease your users as far as experience there. Yeah. But but yeah, so like that's kinda of how we do it at MusicBed with the kind of the hybrid approach. Uh, we also have another app called Film Supply that is a complete SPA that's built in Angular. And so I kind of got to see the the joys of building a larger application with an SPA with a client side router compared to the other way, and so I'm kind of leaning, like I said, more towards this hybrid approach using something like Turbo Leaks and Pjax for more of the the seamless experience. Yeah. And having Laravel do the routing.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here real quick to just maybe clarify a little bit for people who are you know newer to me and kind of translate to what I I'm hearing you saying. You can correct yeah. me if I'm if I'm wrong. And then I'd like David to jump in here too after, after I'm done talking because I know David structures his apps a little bit differently and I'll probably touch on that here. But the Laravel kind of, if you're using Laravel 5.3, what it kind of ships with and encourages you to do is the main template that you would use to extend all your other views from has a ID uh, right underneath the body tag that has an ID of, uh, it's a div with an ID of app. And then in your main app.js file, you have in there a view root instance that attaches itself to that app div. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, to that div with an, uh, with an ID of app. So right. then basically every page that you have you know, with Laravel extends from that so everything is kind of wrapped in this view instance, if you will. And so what you can do then is anytime you wanna use view, what you have to do if you use it that way where you're using the same root view instance on every single page, the only way that you can use view is to use a component, as far as I understand it. I'm pretty sure that's that's how it works. Like You can't really render out a template from the server and attach a view behavior to it because you've kind of already got this root view instance that's attached to the app, which is surrounding everything. So everything right. that you're going to use on the page has to be a component. The way that you're kind of saying that you guys are doing it is you're not having one view instance or React instance that's, Surrounding every single page, uh, what you instead have is you are determining you have a bunch of different uh, React root instances. We'll just call them, for lack of a better term, that you are compiling into one Correct. large JavaScript file, and then based on what ID your JavaScript sees on that page, it attaches the specific React view React root instance to that to that div, and then you know yeah. the behavior is is determined by looking at. That React root instance that you've that you've pulled in, and then you can have components within that thing. But each page has its own unique uh, React root instance. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. So so yeah, and if you use something like Webpack or uh, Rollup to do some code splitting, uh, you can do some really cool stuff. So like on MusicBed, if you were to go to the guest homepage, or just uh, you know as, your, as a non-member go to the homepage. Um, it would load our application and like everything it needs to use React, but it's only going to load the code for that home page, not the rest of the pages. So a lot of times that you'll see in a, in traditional SPAs is one JavaScript bundle called like app or something. And the whole site like is, is bundled all together in one file. And you have this gigantic file that has like Angular in it or, or maybe view in it or or something, and then all of the components that it needs to serve that site. Even ones that, like, if the user was to log in and see the account pages, something that they may not, never even see could be bundled up in that app. And you're, so you're serving JavaScript that may not ever be used. Mm-hmm. And so what we have is it's split up uh, automatically on build, and so we're only serving up the page that you're on. And okay. so it makes an AJAX request lazily, lazily loading these React components Interesting. per page.
2: So advantages is you don't load any JavaScript that you're not going to use. Disadvantages is maybe like it's not necessarily like once you download that huge bundle, it's cached, you know, pretty much. So right. like you pen, you penalize the user on the front end because you make them download this one massive JavaScript file. And they get right. all of the JavaScript regardless of whether they need it or not. It's cached. And now for the rest of your page views, you shouldn't have to download that or, you know, it should be faster. Right. And the advantage to what you're you're doing is basically saying like, Hey, I'm only going to give you the little pieces that you need.
0: Yep. Yeah. So that's there's there's more advantages than that because like the the network request and we we can go into it quite a bit so, the specifics, but it's like the network request of having a large file is is very minimal as far as like the overall performance that we're getting from that is that JavaScript if you're loading like a gig, like a meg and a half of JavaScript or even like half a meg gzipped or something you're your computer or your mobile device still has to, to parse that. So the larger the file, the more JavaScript computation and evaluation it has to do. Okay. So it's smart to break things down small, smaller so it can do that. So it doesn't really matter if it's cached or not. Yeah, you do save some time initially because of the of the page already being loaded as far as – or so the JavaScript already being loaded, but you are you still have to – whenever you do things, it still has to parse through that. No, that makes good and, sense. Uh, so it's going to take longer. Yep. That
2: makes good sense. David, um, I know I've actually used some of your stuff uh, in looking at how I wanted to structure my view mm-hmm. app, or not my view app, my like basically just how I want to structure how I use view on my page. So what how do you you know, what is your typical structure for when you're setting up something to use view?
3: Well, first I need to disclaim and make sure everybody knows I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so this is all just you know, getting in there and trying to figure out something that is workable at all. But kind of what I started with when building, you know, these dynamic pages is I just start with Vue. It was really easy to get started by just using an inline template, you know, and attaching yep. the Vue instance onto a, uh, some, some uh, div with an ID on it like we've been talking about. And I found for most of the use cases, that's been plenty fine. Uh, This one project that I'm working on, we probably have like 20 or 30 of them, and there's never really been a need to have all of those instances connected or transition between each other. You know, we've kind of been fine with the standard page reload that you would normally get. If I were to do it now, there's been a few moments uh, I can think of now where I would have wanted like a wrapper instance, view instance for all of those, you know, kind of. The way Laravel out of the box has it now but most of those downsides have are easy to get around you know it might be the the advantage I might get from that is like having the user menu be its own component and then the main part of the page be its own component and then they they can share some sort of state but those are still easy to get around with just a little bit of ingenuity throwing things on window or something crazy like that <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, assign a variable to window global state. That's, Hell yeah, uh,
4: that's how I roll. That's, yeah,
2: yeah, that's like one of those things. Like you know, I can't remember in our Slack channel, you were like, throw it on window and go home. Yeah, You're like done.
3: I'm very. That's kind of the the development philosophy I've grown over the years. Is just kind of a lot of the things that we say are best practices. Pro, they have a lot of merit and they're really good for certain contexts, but they're not 100 percent across the the board the absolute thing that we should do, you know, and for smaller teams, you know, somebody like me that has to handle a lot of things, all, all my own, you know, the, the front end, a lot of the design, marketing, the backend programming, you know, you, you got to choose an organizational pattern that makes sense for that. And so for me, uh, something like Turbolink sounds really awesome because I can get, you know, 75% of the advantages of all these approaches, but not have to go so whole hog into it that I you know, yeah. I waste time or have to learn skills that don't really apply to anything else.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Let me throw a disclaimer out here for any of you who are wondering. So like, okay, well, why is it wrong or not necessarily wrong? Why is it best practices not to throw something onto the window? So that used to be kind of how it was. Everything was accessible globally, but it you run into big problems when you have something like window.isadmin equals false. Because Anything that is downstream of that is relying on that variable to be true or, or you know, to, to get its value from that. Anybody who comes to your page can just say window.isadmin equals true. Yeah. And now it's good for everything and goes all the way down. So that's the danger is that people who are visiting your site have access to those variables and can modify them like at runtime. Uh, whereas if you're using something like Webpack or whatever, it prevents things from going on the window object, which is basically like the global object by wrapping everything in closures and preventing you from getting access to those variables at runtime. Like, so that's, you know, that's the danger. Although, you know, there are things that are trivial that if you throw on the window is not going to make a difference at all. Like, like a big JSON blob. Anything. Yeah, sure. Right. Like something that the user is going to have access to anyway. Right. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like like David said, sometimes there are definitely cases where it's just like, it's fine, it's not the end of the world, it's not a big deal. I'm just trying to get some work done here, and it doesn't really matter. But there are other times where certainly want yeah. to be careful of it. You want to understand the trade offs before you just start throwing everything on window.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think I think the other thing is just like conflicts. You know, um, I have no problem throwing stuff in a, namespace or property on window and sticking stuff in there. You know, so it's it's not that big a deal. Um, but yeah. You got to be careful what you throw in there because it can get dirty quick. Yep,
2: yep for sure. Um, did you guys want to talk at all uh, any more about like, I know this is very much a crash course sort of on like how you structure your view stuff or your React stuff. And this is a topic that can be talked about for probably quite a while. There's a lot of different approaches to it. Uh, but did you guys have anything else you wanted to add into that before we kind of move on to other stuff or are you guys good?
0: I would just say like uh, Dave and I talked earlier and uh, I would just say go with the path of like least resistance um, when you're learning um, and just – and when you're building things like just do whatever is minimal to make your product and and put it out there and then make it better later. Optimize for performance and do all that. I mean there's going to be things you didn't think of anyway but don't think too far in advance and just try to make it all – you know, it's fun to have like these little side projects and like prototype things. Like I did that a lot. There's, there's different options, like all these different options to see what I like better. But initially, just whatever is easiest, whatever's on the the doc site, whatever, just go with it and learn. There's like there's always another way to do it, but just use whatever is going to get you there faster the first time, and then and then optimize later. Yeah,
3: yeah, and you can yeah. kind of reference companies or people that are at your level and use them as examples. And so, like when we were doing music bed back when I worked there, one of the places we looked to for inspiration was Spotify, which was kind of like a, the organization there. It's large. You know, there's mm-hmm. bunch, a bunch of developers there with different teams, and they're all working on different parts of the app. And I think we realized at one, one point that that wasn't going to work for us because we didn't have 10 developers that could work on the homepage and then 10 developers that could work on the player. But, you know, there was real, some really interesting approaches, you know, I, I don't know if they do it this way now, but the way they handled it before is they had a global state object and then each of the, the pieces of the app, both in the, web, the the native app and the web app, the playing online, they're all iframes. And so those iframes are just standalone, basically like they would be a view instance or a React instance, but they're iframes and they speak to each other cross-frame somehow. I can't remember. Wow,
0: what. that's crazy. It wasn't like a target. I, I can't remember. I've never I never actually used that, but I, I think, yeah, yeah, you're right.
3: I can't remember the specifics now, but the, yeah, there's some, the mechanism that allows frames to talk to each other, uh, iFrames. And uh, yeah, so that was going, that was an interesting approach. It wound up just not being needed because, you know, it's really overkill. We don't need to have the ability for this one player to, to play by itself everywhere on its own with no connection to, you know, the global state but they do, you know, and so.
2: Yep. Yeah. That's good advice. Looking at companies who are your size, like specifically, like, again, the keywords are there, like your size, right? So what works for Google is fine, you know, but it might not be the path that works for your organization. If you have two people on your team and you're trying to emulate what this team of a uh, hundred are doing, yeah, you're going to, you're going to find yourself in some pain. It's not designed to work for you. Right. Right. Not that, not in that way anyway. Cool. Um, well, let's uh, let's talk about something that came out just today, actually, which was announced today. Michael, I haven't heard from you in a little bit, so I'm going to let you take this one because I know you're usually good at this stuff. So, Private Packagist, maybe you can explain to us what that is. Yeah,
4: so I saw a, a tweet about it uh, early this morning and I didn't really look at it anymore until later on this afternoon. Um, but Private Packagist, I guess from the name, which is fairly straightforward, is basically allowing you to have, for people like myself and maybe yourselves as well, where you are developing reusable packages for applications that you're developing, but you are not hosting them on GitHub openly, like not in a public repo. Using those packages and pulling them into your composer.json file is a bit finicky at the moment because you basically have to define a... URL or a Git-based, sorry, repository for each package that you're pulling in from a private repo. So obviously you can set up all the scaffolding and and have your packages pulled apart into their own contained pieces with their own tests and whatnot. But as soon as you want to start pulling in two or three, you know you have to add a reference to each each repository endpoint into your composer.json. So there was an, another way of doing this previously um, through something called. Status or Status, I think it's S-A-T-I-S. Private packages, I guess, is another level up from that that, that is hosted or built by the same people. So, Geordi Bojano and uh, I think his name's Nils that built Composer um, or that built packages. So, yeah, this is, you know, it simplifies that process and all you basically do is point to, you know, your organization repository on packages.com and just say, you know, don't use packages And basically it'll proxy, my understanding is it'll proxy all of your composer requests through your private repository or your private packages, basically. And then, you know, any public packages that you need to reference, go through that to packages.org and any of your private things will just basically come from that private packages. So it's a hosted solution, as far as I'm aware. For us, I think, the, the blocker at least initially is the pricing, yeah so, it's very expensive. yeah it's it's quite expensive I I kind of understand why but yeah it's you know you've got unlimited packages you've got email support um but it's forty nine euro per month um which is probably that's only three users yeah and that's only three users and I think that's that works out to be you know probably about eighty or ninety dollars you know on top of a GitHub subscription as well I don't know. You know, it might be worth it, but at the same time, we may as well look at first exploring status. So, I mean, it depends on your situation, I guess, whether you're in a position where you can justify that that expense per month, or if you are in a position where you can just spin up status and run that yourself.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, you know, which is, this is smart. Like they tell you to do this, right? Price for the customers that you're looking to get, right? So the type of people that they're targeting are not the single team, double team, yeah developers they're t- they're looking at targeting organizations that need to be able to manage their private repos and pull them in quickly and effectively and efficiently and securely and whatever and these companies have money to spend right they've got more than 10 dollars a month yeah. to spend on a service so if this is a problem that you need solved it's probably worth 80 dollars a month to you yeah. so it's kind of like you know it kind of sucks for cuz my organization could use it but we won't because it's way too expensive. There's really only one package that we do this with, but it is a pain in the butt. Like if you want to test something on Travis CI, you have to go get a GitHub token and make sure that that's put into the ENV. And then you have to have a special config that sets that token as your composer token before you start pulling stuff in or else it'll fail when it goes to pull in that private repo. It's just, it's kind of a pain in the neck. There, There are some other cool things that this private packages does too, like, you said it proxies all your requests through your private packages URL or something like that. So you as an administrator can say, anybody who is using this composer.json file, like they can only use these, these packages. So you can basically mm-hmm. approve which yeah. packages they are allowed to use which is pretty interesting. So you can, you know, you can like block them from pulling in known vulnerability, you know, or whatever, or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. if they need to pull one in, you can basically require that it gets approved first and then it gets pulled in. So I can see that being actually really useful for people who are in a highly regulated industry like ourselves, like we do like, basically it's almost like debt collection and the FDCPA in the U S is really, really strict and stringent on all the stuff. So we get audited like crazy. And we have to have guidelines and things like that in place to say, no, we are only pulling in things that are yeah. secure because we're dealing with consumer information that's sensitive, whatnot. So a tool like this might be really helpful to solve some of the issues that these larger organizations are having dealing mm-hmm. with these private packages. So anyway.
3: Yeah, I have something to think about that. Uh, what Initially, I had a project that was called Bumble CMS, and I, I thought a way to monetize it was to offer some sort of premium version of it that I could host on you know a github repo but there was not an easy way to monetize a package and i've seen this as kind of a way that, that you could possibly do that yeah if uh, if it wasn't so expensive right away um because before you the way you would do it um if you've seen those cardless components that you yeah. can pay for they add you to their private repo on github and then you, you do the normal composer pull in vcs type thing and since you have access to that repo that they allow you to install it but it's it's kind of clunky for somebody that's just wanting to pull in a package for for you know laravel or whatever and so this could be something cool because you could add people to that if you could um stomach the pricing right away that would make it hard you know you, you might be able to just do the the old github repo way private repo and then Once you validate it or or, are cash flow positive on your idea, you know, you could do the private packages thing, but
2: yeah, it is interesting too. Like, uh, you know, it syncs, it it will sync with your GitHub credentials, like all the permissions and everything. It syncs automatically with your GitHub uh, permissions. So yeah, you're right. That is a very viable solution to this problem because as soon as you added it to GitHub, it would automatically add it to your private packages and those people would have access to that repo to pull down so that's a that's an interesting kind of use case i hadn't thought of
0: yeah yeah really cool
3: um yeah the only other way was something the way the way they did laravel spark and that was kind of like have your own installer that downloads it validates that you have a license for it and then goes through the whole install routine which i think is it was definitely the way they did it was was good it's well implemented but not something i'd want to do all the time
2: so the other thing we could there's really only two other things here uh, that we wanted to talk about, and then we are going to power this one down. It is 1.14 a.m. here, <laughs> and I'm surprised I'm still going. So let's talk about real, real quick, and we had touched on this briefly. Andrew, maybe you can speak to this since it sounds like you have a little bit more experience with it, but let's say I'm doing like a view component or something like that, and I want to do validation on a form, either before or even yeah. after I'm I'm, you know... So I'm going to do client-side validation. I'm also going to do server-side validation. How are you guys handling that sort of validation stuff? Because that's been a real like sticking point for me. There are some really good packages for Vue, one that I just looked at called Vuelidate, which seems really mm-hmm. similar to uh, kind of like Laravel validation and attaches right to your component. So it looks really slick. If you haven't checked it out, go ahead and do that, and we'll throw that in the show notes. But I'm interested to hear how you guys handle that and uh, kind of what your approach to front-end validation and, and back-end validation is.
0: Yeah, so let's see. Like I said, we have two apps. So I'll start with Film Supply, which is the SPA running on Angular. And uh, one of the reasons why I really liked Angular was the this this library or module that they have called NG or Angular Messages. And so it's a like I said, like a client side validation module. And what it does is like you can set different directives on your fields. So like I, I think think would be pretty similar to like Vue but you would have something like instead of V hyphen something or whatever, it would be like NG hyphen required or NG hyphen min length or max length. Or uh, you can put like a pattern for uh, regex or, or things like that. And then like underneath that field, you could have a, uh, another like a div or like a, a, another directive for these messages. And so like whenever that field is invalid, It will basically write the message to the to wherever you really wherever you want it, but you have like a designated spot that you you specify for that. And depending on which error is flagged, whether it be like min, max, anything like custom ones that you created, it'll show up in that spot. Um, And so you kind of have these these little placeholder spots that are hidden in your form until the validation is triggered and something's invalid. So if you wanted to show like some red text underneath the field, you can do that that says this email has been taken or blah blah blah. You can even they can even be asynchronous and, you know, hit a server and show that message there. So
2: you would do that. You would have like an API endpoint set up to say like is this username taken? And when they yeah. fo- when they unfocus or blur out of that field, it will go hit the API endpoint and give you a true or false and then you can throw your error. Right. I, I don't
0: think we're actually doing that right now, but that's th- that I've done that in the past. That that's totally uh, uh, the viable situation you can do so yeah that's it's, it's robust enough for you to do stuff like that uh, like you said earlier we're just using it as kind of a, a front end intermediate or like you know gatekeeper to the back end a little bit just to kind of validate stuff before it's submitted sure. and another thing that's really cool about it is that with with at least the angular side of it is that if the form is not completely valid then you can do like an ng if or um, or a class on like the submit button so you can disable it when the whole form is not valid, and so once it's fully valid, you can enable that button and allow it to be submitted. That makes sense. And uh, so that, so that, that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, it, uh, I love Angular for that. I, I think. Yeah. If you can find anything that in view that can do that, go for it.
2: Yeah, and then so basically, like if it if it hits the server the server and it's still invalid, does it just blow up? Like it just returns is like oh crap, like you screwed this over. Like so, is it just you know is your server side validation basically just as like a last resort to make sure that nothing gets in that shouldn't?
0: Correct, and and then if you wanted to take the next step, is you would have like uh you can actually have it um. Probably to show some like error ab- above the form or yeah. something if it's something that nothing got caught. That's all I would say there. I mean, that's you. You've got enough protection there, I think, just from that. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. This is what I did for some some stuff that I was doing yesterday. Basically, I was. I'll caveat this with it's not scalable, and there's probably a better way of doing it. But basically, on my form, I just have a check on the on the submit button, as you said, Andrew. Make this disabled until until all of the fields are set. So, you know, you can't, you know, the the name has to be there, the first name has to be there, the last name, the phone number, the email address, you know, all those fields have to be there. And when there is something in all of those fields, remove the disabled attribute on the submit button, let the user submit it, I will then uh, send the request through to my API endpoint, and then I will just do Laravel validation on that. So the same validation that that I would do if I was doing a normal post. There you go. And yep. um, the validation will, you know, it handles the that I'm that I'm requesting JSON. It will then send back a 422 with a with a JSON array of uh, error messages, and then I just display them as again as you said at the top of the form in a in an alert. You know, there are errors and display that. There you go. Yep. That's that's perfect. Beautiful. So as I said, it's not scalable. Like yep. if you've got lots of forms or if you've got, you know, 15 or 20 fields or you've got 15 or 20 fields in five or six or seven forms, you know, you'll probably want to find a better way of doing it. But at the moment, I've just got just the check, just a method that goes can submit or whatever. And uh, that just does a, if not, you know, if this and this and this, you know, just to check to see that there is something in those fields. But obviously with with any kind of front-end validation, your last resort, you know, your final gatekeeper is always that back-end authorization before you make, or your your back-end validation before you commit that to whatever your data store is. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Not to mention handling error cases, you know, if the the gateway is down or something like that, you still need to come back with it and say, hey, everything you did was cool, but we broke it on our end, so.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, again, like it's only on the front end. I mean, people could curl post you know, fields into your server exactly. without even using a front end. I mean, it's just it's just mostly for for usability and experience than anything, because you can do some some nice animations yeah. with your validation on your forms and and make it kind of uh, re, you know really uh, responsive and fast rather than it always hitting the server. Yeah. So that's that's really what the main thing is for is just uh, aesthetics than anything else.
2: Cool. I, this is making me feel a lot better about or about using some of these front end validation techniques actually. So like. You know, when I when I hear you guys saying basically like that this validation on the back end is literally just for like in the case that, you know, you have somebody who's trying to use the application in a way that doesn't work, you know, that you're not supposed to. Like I don't need to necessarily provide the best user experience when something's broken and they're just kind of hitting that final gatekeeper. You know what I mean? Like if somebody's using the app the way that it's written to yeah. be used, like they're going to have a good ex- user experience. If they're not, then they're probably not going to have a great user experience, but at least it's going to keep me safe. Yep. Yeah, cool. Uh, Let me just throw out there kind of a a plug for those of you who are using Vue or who are starting Vue and looking into Doing some of this validation on the front end. I've looked at two different two different packages There's view validator. There's V validate and there's this newest one. That's View the I really like it because what it does is it doesn't require you to put basically Andrew as you were talking about like all those directives into your template what it does is it instead divorces that from the template and puts it into your component code. So like just like you would have your data, and yeah. you have you know you have a data object, and, and it returns uh, all those pieces. You have like a validate object, and so you have all of your uh, V model bindings to your data values, and you can basically just put in a in a validate object. You just say name, and then like colon, and then object required true min width colon one hundred. You know, whatever. So it's very, it looks very similar or feels very similar to kind of how you would do level validation on the back end. So, it, and it looks really, really intelligent. So I would, I would suggest taking a look at that. And it kind of does all of that stuff that you were talking about, where basically if it's not all valid, you can't submit it. I think it handles that right out right. of the box.
4: So, looks pretty cool. Yeah, that's perfect. The only thing with that, and this is probably just my opinion. Well, of course, it's my opinion. It's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> it is your opinion, Michael. It is your opinion. And well, to be honest with you, really I don't really want to hear. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, I mean, the, the thing with using those front-end validation libraries is that you you are then doing that validation twice. Like, you have to write the validation in the front-end and then you still yeah. need to write that validation in the back-end. So, yeah, they have to be synced together. Pain, but I mean, what, what would be really nice is if there is an easy way to map the validation errors from the back end to your view component or whatever your front end is man that would be freaking awesome
2: i was thinking about
4: that <laughs> because i'm i'm playing around with a bit with bulma at the moment but even with bootstrap to apply an error there's a whole bunch of classes that you need to apply to the input group and then you've got to apply a class to you know the input field itself and then you've got to put a span in with the you know, the error message itself. So, I mean, you're getting all of the data back as an array. And so I just did like a object map across what came back in the JSON response and just, as I said, threw it in the alert at the top. But yeah, the, the happy medium would be all, all server-side validation with an easy way to, you know, wire the error messages into the front end.
0: Yeah, right. So I think we're talking about two things though. Like one is like you're validating data for security purposes and for you know, other reasons, mm-hmm. but then we're also talking like the user experience of like informing the user how um, how yeah long this text should be yeah. with that before submitting right so like so that yeah, that's I another it. I guess it just depends on your needs there so you're not going to get that back from the server uh you know on sure. uh, on key up you know yeah. Uh, you would get that in the end, which might be totally fine. I think yeah. if you're building an application, you should start with that. Well,
3: you could you could run validation on change on any of the fields and have that come back from the server and whatever your custom mapping is. You know, if you wanted to to get the Laravel errors and it's you know um, first name dot required. You know, you can apply a class based on that, based on this theoretical mapping sure, that we're yeah. talking about. You know, and do that on change, and that you get the yeah. same benefit, the same. Uh, sort of a nicety
0: yeah that's that's a good point just map it like you said yeah it's it's great
3: if you're willing to do the extra requests which i think for most apps it's probably fine you know it's not a, a high uh,
2: yeah you'd want to de- you'd probably want to debounce yeah. it right i mean say like sure you, know, you don't want to do it on every freaking yeah. key down you know and probably depending on which field it was you'd probably have like say like do this one on blur do this one on key up do this one on whatever
3: yeah because you don't want to have the the worst ones are when you have typed one letter into the field and they're like,
2: yeah. error. Wrong. <laughs> right. This
3: is an invalid email. Y- yeah. No it's cal- an invalid email. I've typed one character <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, internet. We got this. I've done this a few yeah. times.
2: Yeah, exactly. Alright, well I think this is uh I think this is mm-hmm. we're gonna start wrapping it up here. This is one of those problems that hasn't probably been completely solved yet. Maybe we can come back to this. I don't know, a couple months from now or something, and see if we've got some good ideas on how to solve this. But as it is right now, we are at about one and a half hours, which is by far the longest show that I've ever done. <laughs> and um, so let's let's wrap this up for our users and for ourselves, so we can yeah, get to it bed. Very late for you. Um, You're over there, Jake. But, uh, and, and yeah. David as well. Yeah, David yeah, and me sure. are both. It's one thirty here.
3: Yeah, but I so. took a nap, so I'm good.
2: Yeah. I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. I just, I probably... I
3: got to wake up in three and a half hours, but I'm okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel worse for our listeners than I do for us right now. I'm hoping we actually get full people yeah. to actually listen yeah. through this thing. So if you do, it was worth it. Hey, you know what? If you listened all the way through this, you hit me up. I'll give you a $10 Amazon oh, gift. Oh, dang. Card. You could take that. You could take that to the bank. No, I'm just kidding. They, you can take it to Amazon. Gonna,
4: <laughs> do you know how many tens of users we have?
0: <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. I'm going to be giving away like $50. <laughs> Hey, I don't know about you guys, but we have like 2,000 people listen to our podcast every time, so you better start saving up. Do you seriously?
2: Do you seriously Do you have, have all, that many people? My gosh. Oh, least. I was like, wow, seriously. <laughs> a couple hundred. Oh, man. Okay, yeah, we're about the same. We're about the same. Alright, guys, well, thank you very much for taking time to kind of all of us put together this um, North Meets, South Meets, Dads & Dev Christmas Extravaganza web podcast. It's been super fun talking to all you guys and getting together and having a little chat about some of this for stuff. Sure. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah. Um, this is episode, Michael, what episode is this for us? This is 18 for us. Okay. So you can find show notes for this episode on North South audio slash 18 North South audio on Twitter. Five star
0: reviews are excellent. Uh, and then Andrew, what episode is this for you guys? So I believe this will be episode 16. Oh, we, we just did 16. Are you, well- you wanna get that one out? Oh yeah, okay. We have yeah.
3: We haven't launched that one yet. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. we can
0: launch that one. And we might we might launch these back to back uh depending on when this one goes out, but it'll be episode seventeen uh for us. And yeah. Okay. We'll we'll definitely release it too. it will be kinda of fun to have dual podcasts. I think
3: we're breaking new ground in podcasting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is weird, right? We're both we're gonna like, basically cross
2: publish this across yeah. two different podcast yep. channels. We're gonna break we're gonna break the internets. <laughs>
4: And the best part is that everyone who is subscribed to both of us, They'll hate us, they may only listen all the way through once, but if they download the episode Ooh. on each, I think we count that as a, you know, as a listen for each of us. Yeah. Nice. There we that's go. true. Double down.
3: Score. And then, <laughs> yep. Double <laughs>
2: down. All right, guys. Well, um, I think that's it. I don't think there's really anything left to cover. We already kind of did our little outro thing here. Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy late Ramadan slash uh, what's the what's the Jewish holiday? Hanuk- I just Hanukkah. say Hanukkah? Hanukkah. Hanukkah. I, if there's any others that I missed, sorry. And have a wonderful holiday season. Happy holidays, everybody. Until next yes. year, probably. Yep. Thanks for listening. And uh, we will see you all very soon. Cue the crazy awesome outro music.
1: And God bless us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sleigh bells ring Are you listening? Sunburns sting Icebox glistening The beautiful sight Of Barbies alive Strolling through a summer wonderland Pour the salve In the sunshine Serve the pie Up at lunchtime Bubbles for nine, pineapples on hand, strolling through a summer wonderland. In the oven, we can grab the wickets and plastic cricket bat your brother found. Backyard full of all your distant reds, so we pass the can of Mazi spray around. Later on, sun is falling and you're drunk. Uncle snoring, we'll hear the birds in the trees, feel the warm breeze. Strolling through a summer wonderland, way down here. Christmas landmarks, Our summer flowers, and funny tan marks. We're happy and bright, not a snowman in sight. Strolling through a summer, strolling through a summer. Strolling through a summer wonderland.
2: Yep. And if they do sell out, I'm gonna like, Good. you know, I'm gonna have to pull some strings. Be like, hey, listen, yeah, to like, Taylor. <laughs>
0: I'll bring my camping chair. Just that's crash right, it. That's right. Just crash exactly.
2: it. <laughs> uh, there's a, there will be a waiting list. You can sit on my lap if you up. have to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can sit
2: on your lap. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know, Michael. Or I can sit on your lap. You know, whatever you're more comfortable with. Is that a Tim Tam in your pocket, or are you happy to see me? A Tim Tam. <laughs> it's a whole packet of Tim Tams, my friend.
3: That's <laughs> not a very large no. item.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, you know,
2: you know what they say about the Aussies. Is that a Clark bar? No, oh, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. oh, okay. Oh, boy.